This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to another edition of the MVFC First and Gold podcast. On this week's edition, I go behind the mic with a first-year voice of the North Dakota State Bison, Jeff Colhane. Jeff, welcome to the show. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me on and uh, excited to be here. It's uh, fantastic. Well, here we are already in the last week of the regular season. Uh, North Dakota State obviously is going to make the playoffs. But how would you sum up so far your first season as the voice of the Bison? It's been interesting. It's been fun. It's been exciting. It really has been everything that um, I had anticipated it to be. You know, uh, Bison fans are fantastic. Uh, they're phenomenal. Uh, they've really welcomed me in with open arms, and I couldn't have asked for a better reception. This football team is is fantastic. The program's unbelievable. You know, Chris Kleiman and his coaching staff are uh, are top notch. They're second to none. So to be able to work with uh, individuals like that, coaches like that on a daily basis, it's been uh, a fun fall to say the least here in Fargo. Well, you know, let's go back to when the job was first posted. You know, some people know this, but but not everybody. You're originally from Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, and notably, you spent time early on in your career at the University of South Dakota. Um, you went on to Nebraska, uh, where you hosted a post-game football show. You were the voice of their baseball team, the Husker baseball team, and filled in on men's basketball games as an analyst, among other things. Then you went to West Virginia for three years, um, hosted a pregame, halftime, and postgame football show. Were the voice for the women's basketball and baseball team there, um, and then also did you know did some filling in on, on football and basketball. Um, and then now at North Dakota State, you're the voice of the football, basketball, and baseball team. So what excited you most about the possibility of getting the NDSU job? Well, I think for me, it's a lot like an assistant coach trying to move up to a head coaching position. Um, being at those places in my prior experience was outstanding. You know, West Virginia, uh, obviously geographically very far from where I'm at right now, uh, but a great experience to say the least with Mountaineer fans. Um, a lot of similarities there between my time in Nebraska and my time in West Virginia. Because you've got the, uh, the the big show in the state. There's no professional teams that are in either of those states. And the fan base and the people there, they flock to Husker football and Mountaineer football and both athletic departments. So to be a part of those institutions and be a part of those broadcasts was a real learning experience for me that really helped me make me who I am today. And then, of course, being able to, to see a different part of the country uh, connect with a lot of different people. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun as well. That was outstanding. Uh, the 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 lure to North Dakota State from West Virginia and from Nebraska, you know, you really don't have to say a whole lot. Um, NDSU football uh, to me is a program that is uh, as exciting as a lot of Power Five football programs out there. The success speaks for itself. Five straight national championships uh, in the running now, obviously, for a sixth, uh, right in the mix here this time of year. Their basketball program uh, is outstanding. Um, actually, uh, I know Tim Miles uh, very well. I hosted his coach's show at Nebraska for a year, so have that connection. He's a South Dakota guy as well, so we kind of joked about that from time to time. And um, he and I talked about the job uh, before it came open, or when it came open, excuse me. Um, back in uh, it was back in March, early April, and uh, obviously he had great success in North Dakota State University as well. So to to have the opportunity to come in and be the play-by-play voice for a university and athletic department as prestigious as NDSU 
was an easy decision, was a no-brainer and a job that I really hoped that I would be uh, worthy of uh, being considered for and so lucky to be here right now. You know, as you talked about, I mean, you've been really involved, you know, for a number of years in college football um, and have done play-by-play for a number of different sports, but you weren't necessarily the voice of a major college football team Mm -hmm. until you went to North Dakota State. So what has that transition been like, you know, and, and how nervous were you for that first game against Charleston Southern this year? Transition's been great. You know, uh, I was more anxious than anything. You know, I I always talk about, uh, to me, you're only nervous when you're not ready. And I think you're actually more anxious when you are ready to go and do something. It's just a, it's a similar type of feeling, but a different type of anxiety. I I wasn't really nervous. I I was more anxious. Um, You know, for me, uh, being around and being in the booth at the University of Nebraska, uh, being in the booth at West Virginia University, you know, I didn't call those games, but it was kind of like a uh, a football player or an athlete who was injured. Uh, you know, that individual still, even though they're injured and they don't play, they're still taking repetitions and still taking mental notes on what's going on and how to do this or how to get better here and. You know, I really spent my time in Nebraska and West Virginia uh, listening and uh, understanding the uh, the passion of those fan bases and what the responsibility is in that role as the play-by-play announcer uh, of a big-time football program. So, you know, when I came to North Dakota State, I had called, you know, I've called plenty of high school football um, in my career uh, out in West Virginia in the eastern part of the country. I actually called high school football on television in Pittsburgh mm. in southwestern PA, some of the best high school football uh, around the United States. Nice. So, you know, even though that I had not uh, called uh, a game in, in a period of time where I called a big-time college football game, uh, I really felt like I was ready. Uh, I felt like, you know, in a lot of ways, if if your craft is play-by-play, if you call basketball, if you call baseball, it uh, it will translate over. It'll take work, but it will translate over onto the football field. Um, I played college football for four years at Dakota Wesleyan University. So a sport that uh, I've been around a lot, I understand obviously very well. Yeah. And uh, I was more anxious than anything. Not so much nervous, anxious for that first game. And I probably, outside of Chris Kleiman getting a win, in that first game versus Charleston Southern, I was probably the happiest person in Fargo that that one was out of the way. (laughs) I'm sure. You know, one of the other big appealing things about the North Dakota State job is that you got the opportunity to be part of a new sports talk radio station at at Bison 1660 that was launching um, and co-host a daily talk show, The Insiders. Um, You know, how do you you and Jeremy try and differentiate yourself from the other sports talk shows in Fargo. And how do you feel like the show has made you a better play-by-play broadcaster? Yeah, Kelly, it's a great question. You know, uh, getting here in late June, it was a, uh, it was a sprint to our launch date, which was August 1st. Uh, and I got, I have to thank a lot of people here for their help. You know, there, there's such great, uh, ownership and leadership at the the new flagship home of North Dakota State University Sports and Athletics, and you know, Jingstad, our owner, Nancy Odney's our COO, uh, John Austin's our operations manager, individuals like Chris Hansen, people that I work with on a daily basis here were so great in helping getting this this station ready and on the air, and, and helping with little things behind the scenes that people wouldn't think about that we put a ton of work into and a lot of planning and a lot of time. And a lot of preparation. So it starts with those people and their leadership and their vision and their investment uh, and their help with it. You know, Jeremy and I, I think, have a, uh, a relationship where, you know, I, I just met Jeremy back in the spring and we've been on the air now for a little over three months. And that first show we did together on August 1st, there, there really wasn't a um, a process of getting to know one another on the air. As you know, when you're with somebody new, sometimes there's a feeling out period. Sometimes there's a time where you, you step on somebody with, with how you talk or what the question or, or this and that. I think Jeremy just and I have the unique relationship where we have a really strong understanding of each other's style, each other's feel, and how 
the uh, the show is supposed to flow. Um, so that's been great. You know, Jeremy has a vast knowledge of the FCS. He has a vast knowledge of North Dakota State Athletics. Uh, as He's been the sideline reporter here for the last 10 years. He's called games here. He's the color analyst for the basketball broadcast. We work together on that as well. So uh, he knows NDSU. He knows the FCS. His knowledge of the playoffs and the bracket, there's nobody better. I mean, period. And he is the Joe Lenardi of the FCS playoff brackets. We call him. <laughs> Jeremy Brackett's kind of goofing with him, uh, but so we've had we've had fun as far as differentiating differentiating ourselves from a lot of other sports talk uh, stations. Quite honestly, the only other sports talk show sports show here in Fargo was a one hour show daily from noon to one, hmm. and that really was it in Fargo, which uh, was a little surprising to me. I, I honestly thought there would be maybe a, a little more with the uh, the hunger and the the thirst of. Mm-hmm of NDSU football and NDSU athletics. So, you know, there was a great opportunity. And I think um, with this new station and with our shows and how we talk NDSU football and NDSU sports and discuss the FCS and, gosh, this time of year with with the playoffs right around the corner, uh, the anticipation is so high. Um, I I think we're just uh, doing a good job right now of, of promoting our new station. I think people are finding us. Uh, I feel like they're enjoying what we're bringing uh, to them right now. And, I mean, North Dakota State University football, I mean, that uh, speaks for itself. So when you're able to talk about that and uh, discuss Bison football with uh, some of the most passionate fans out there, I think it'll uh, it'll take care of itself in the long run. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you get asked this question quite a bit, but I would be remiss if, if I didn't bring it up. Um, you know, Scott Miller was, was so beloved in, in that area. He was the, the longtime voice of North Dakota State and um, sadly passed away from cancer back in February. You know, how did you approach following him, um, you know, honoring his memory while also being your own voice and your own person? Yeah, another great question, Kelly. I mean, number one, you can't replace Scott. You just you can't do it. And um, you know, very, very bittersweet. I think the moment for the new hire for a lot of people because Scott Miller's uh, great. He's a legend, and will always be remembered here at North Dakota State University. Um, you know, the the work and the excellence and how he dedicated himself every day, every moment to Bison Athletics and to his broadcasts and to his craft, you, you don't find that very often. You don't see that very often. And you can't replace that. Um, I, you know, I, I would do Bison fans injustice. I would do, uh, you know, Scott injustice. I do myself injustice if I tried to be Scott. I can't. I can't do it and nobody can. Um, and, you know, for me, I just I knew that I had to uh, carry on um, his excellence and and do as good of a job as I possibly can, and that was uh, being myself and preparing and and giving the fan base what they deserve. And it was you know definitely tough, not easy, not easy. I, I'd be lying if I sit here and said that there were nights where um, I, I wondered if uh, you know. Uh, if I, if I put in the, the amount of work, if I, if I was going to be able to do it the way that people needed it to be done or had been accustomed to be it done, I, I, I knew that it would, it would definitely get there at some point. Um, but you know, I, I think, um, we've had a good, you know, uh, it's had a good, we've had a good season. I think we, the station has helped in some ways as well. I think folks being able to hear me prior to that first game, uh, definitely, I think helped and ease the transition, a little bit in a lot of respects. So, you know, honor Scott. We we try and you know honor him during the football broadcast. We play some of his uh, best highlights uh, during the games. Uh, we try and include him in a lot of our uh, production pieces. Of course, his my oh my call will never go away. That will always be ingrained into the the hearts and minds of Bison fans forever. And so we. Um, we just we, we do uh, hopefully uh, the the justice that he deserves, and uh, uh, hopefully in, in everyone's eyes we've been able to um, come in and uh, perform uh, and execute a quality broadcast for folks out there the way they would expect and the way that he always did. 
Your family, uh, specifically your dad and your uncle, have uh, have roots in radio. And so how did that influence you, you know, choosing this career path? Well, when I was young, I think I was six years old, my dad was the color analyst for our high school boys basketball team in Mitchell, South Dakota. So I would go to the games and I would hang out in the radio booth at five, six years old. Um, and I still remember to this day, uh, one of the, uh, the games my dad called and, um, for folks that don't know that are watching this around the Missouri Valley, uh, the state of South Dakota is very passionate about high school basketball. Very, very passionate. And, uh, my hometown was a big high school basketball town. So you grew up wanting to play high school basketball in Mitchell, South Dakota, wanting to be a Mitchell colonel. And that's a corn colonel, not an army colonel, by the way, in case everyone's wondering out there. But uh, I still remember one of my, one of the calls, there was a, there was a, a blocking foul in a district championship game that went uh, against us. And I always remember my dad's reaction. He was so flabbergasted at how poor the call was that he thought uh, in his mind. And, uh, uh, the opponent ended up making two free throws with no time left to beat uh, the high school team my dad called the games for. And from there, I uh, just kind of kind of took off. You know, I, I played sports. I, I was a guy that sports have always been a big part of my life. So I've always wanted to stay connected, um, it, you know, growing up, going out in the backyard and playing catch with my dad and play shooting hoops and playing football and baseball and all that stuff. You know, spent a lot of time doing that. And Watching a game, um, I found myself not necessarily watching the game specifically, but also listening to the announcers and what they said and how they said things and 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 how they positioned certain statements about plays and even as a kid. Um, so there was always some sort of a draw to it for me. There was always a connection to it um, growing up, and you know. I, is funny to, to bring up, but I, I would do things like I would announce my uh, cousin's video games when I was <laughs> 10 or 11 years old on his uh, Walkman microphone. That's probably looks like a refrigerator now. That was really cool back then. Um, we would have on baseball trips uh, growing up in the back of the bus, we would do these roundtable discussions like you and I are doing right now and just kind of goof off and, and have fun. Uh, in the back of the, the bus as we travel the road game. So uh, it's always been a part of who I am. Uh, my uncle Kevin was the voice of the University of South Dakota, the voice of the Coyotes for a long time, and um, very passionate about broadcasting um, and, a, and a very good announcer as well. You couldn't you can not match his passion or doubt how excited he was during his, uh, his broadcast and his play-by-play. -play. And uh, I worked for him in my first broadcasting job out of college and uh, really worked hard at it. You know, cut my teeth doing a little bit of everything, hosting a talk show, uh, doing play-by-play -play for high school sports and college sports and uh, being a color analyst and a, a sideline reporter and full-time. I mean, every, every job you could think of possibly, I packed into about two and a half years in Yankton and Vermilion, South Dakota. So um, both very influential obviously when you have that that tie within your family lines it, it uh, makes an impact on you and it certainly did on me you know you just you just touched a little bit on some of the things you did to cut your teeth but you know in the grand scheme of things you took a really unconventional path um into sports broadcasting I, you know i was it was interesting for me to see, you know, you majored in business um, and not broadcasting. You didn't necessarily go to a, a typical um, journalism school, but you were able to get the reps at a really early age. Um, how did you make that path work for you? You know, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it was the reps one and making sure I made the connections as well. You know, a lot of people and I, I, I did this also, asked the, the question, what do I need to do to get a job? What do I need to do to move up? What do I, what do I, because everybody has a goal. Uh, everybody has a dream. It's such a competitive industry, competitive business. Um, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. And uh, there were definitely days where I thought, man, I'm not going to do this. I don't think I can do this anymore. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of time, 
uh, not a lot of pay, you know, uh, as folks out there in the business understand. And, you know, I, I think, I think for me, it was, it goes back to a couple of things. It goes back to starting young. I started out in radio when I was 14. So I started doing weekend shifts and uh, worked at an oldie station doing news, weather, and sports when I was 14 years old. Nice. Um, I'll never forget how nervous, you talk about how nervous I was for the first game. I, it can't even begin to compare how nervous I was for my first on-air weekend shift at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota when I was 14 <laughs> years old. Just beyond terrified of talking into a microphone. Um, but... You know, it, 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 there was a fine line. Do you, do you get a job? Do you go to a graduate school? I thought about going to Syracuse. I thought about going to Nebraska. I thought about going to USC to get the, you know, the graduate degree in, in broadcast journalism. And everybody I asked, everybody I talked to when I was 20, 21 years old, I, they said, you've already got what those people don't have right now, and that's the experience. So get out, start working, uh, find your way, and, and just rep it out. Go mm -hmm. out and do it. And that's what I did. Uh, that's what I did with my first job. And you know, so much of, of life and anything right now, I think, is not only how good you are, but who you know, and, and making the connections. And I think the two things that I would tell people that are in broadcasting um, that are asking the same question I asked, what do I need to do? How do I move up? How do I get that job? Well, you got to be able to, to work at it and understand the hours are going to be brutal. You're going to work holidays. Uh, you're going to work days that others have off and that are enjoying their time and enjoying their weekends where you will not. And that's part of the deal. Um, you got to rep it out. You just got to keep repping it, keep doing it and figure out who you are as a broadcaster. And then number two, and probably more importantly, in a lot of, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of the, the uh, um, Skype, uh, conversations you've had with the other play-by-play -play guys around the valley and these guys have been doing it a lot longer than I have so they're probably laughing at me right now as I'm giving everybody else advice <laughs> but uh, I think they would agree if meet as many people as you can you know um, put yourself out there a little bit make the connections stay in touch with folks and and, and do those things you, you never know when a, a, a hello or a, or a how are you doing or a, or an out of the blue text to somebody uh, will will affect that person or potentially help you out uh, down the road with with your dreams and your your path as well and that was a big part of, of how I got to uh, where I did both at Nebraska at West Virginia and then I think in some regards also here at uh, North Dakota State as well. You know, speaking of, of Nebraska and West Virginia, you know, those two programs really dominate the, the state's landscape. Um, what have been the biggest similarities you've seen at North Dakota State, you know, with those programs as, as far as that, that kind of landscape thing? And, and what's been the biggest difference? Big passion. Big passion. Huge following. Um, you know, it's, it's the biggest show in the state. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, the, the following and the energy of the fan base is, I, I'll say this with Nebraska and West Virginia, there aren't as many, you know, numbers per se, because you have the 90,000 seat stadium at Nebraska, the 60,000 seat stadium at West Virginia, but the Fargo dome and Gate city bank field has an environment unique to any other out there. Uh, it, it is an, an amazing atmosphere, and, and it's full every game. It's a packed house. To me, it's the premier atmosphere in the FCS in college football. It's just a whole other level. And, um, you know, the, the passion, the following, the energy of the fan bases from my time at Nebraska and West Virginia, it, it definitely uh, reminds me and reflects upon what the fans like are here at North Dakota State University. Uh, as far as the differences uh, are concerned, I, I would just say probably the numbers, you know, I, I suppose. Um, Nebraska has the, the 92,000 seat stadium. Uh, West Virginia has the 60,000 seat stadium. Um, but that, that really doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't mean anything less as far as NDSU is concerned. You know, North Dakota State, uh, in my mind, uh, with with their football program is a team that 
uh, can compete in Power Five conferences. Uh, it's a team that definitely can compete and win in Group of Five conferences at the FBS level. So uh, it's an exciting program to be around and an exciting athletic department that um, is having so much success and having so much fun right now. And I think they're they're just continuing that uh, that upward trend and and uh, the excitement. You can just feel it. it the buzz is palpable around uh, everything they have going on. My conversation with Jeff continues shortly, but if you're enjoying this edition of the MVFC First and Goal, check out all the Lineup Media Group podcasts featuring your favorite sports as well as non-sports podcasts too. Now back to the show. Jeff, what did you learn from working with Greg Sharp, the the University of Nebraska play-by-play voice, you know, and how has he shaped your career? Uh, I learned from Greg Sharp the uh a lot of things one i learned a lot of things from greg uh the line that he texted me before the charleston southern game he actually texted me um his his thought process for i think himself as well for football and it was pace poise time and score those were the four things he texted me and i and i honestly i I think with greg he's so good He's just an amazing play-by-play man. He's a better person. You know, I think there are a lot of people that take every, you know, you're in broadcasting and you take it seriously and I'm going to be great and, you know, I'm going to show people how good I am. And, you know, I think one of the things that really, really taught me was, you know, it's okay to have a good time and have fun. And And I mean it from a standpoint of, He's a he's a fun loving guy who just cares about about everybody. Always ask you how you're doing, you know, wondering what's going on in your life, um, and has really become a, a, a great friend to me. As have all the guys at Nebraska that I set, spent time with. Matt Davison is their color analyst. Um, played football at Nebraska. Talk about fun loving. There's there's a fun loving individual right there. Um, and then Lane Grindle. Uh, you know, talking, you know, mentioning connections, Lane and I worked together at USD um, for a, about a four month period was all, about four to six months. He got a job at Nebraska two and a half years later. uh, You know, he and I stayed in contact. We were very good friends. I think we were two young guys at the time that enjoyed, you know, the broadcast aspect of it and loved what we did and wanted to be great at it. Um, Two and a half years later, uh, a position opened up. He asked if I'd be interested. I said, absolutely. And that's how I got to Nebraska. Um, we spent six years together there, six and a half until I left for West Virginia. And now Lane is one of the play-by-play radio announcers for the Milwaukee Brewers no in kidding. Major League Baseball. Wow. Yep. So all those guys, it was, it was an amazing experience and we're still good friends and we still talk and text on a daily basis. But, you know, as far as Greg Sharp is concerned, I, I think it's his professionalism, his attitude he carries towards the job, but also when the microphone is turned off, that uh, just a a great person, a great individual, and uh, someone you would, you know, you think about guys and big jobs, you think they got huge egos and and whatever, Uh, not that guy, Uh, great person, and uh, he's one of my very good friends. That's really great to hear. While you were at West Virginia, you were the IMG uh, Radio Network's national play-by-play voice um, last year for the American Athletic Conference Championship for Men's Basketball, which just so happened to be a four-overtime thriller um, between Cincinnati and UConn. (laughs) How did you get that opportunity, first of all, with IMG? I know that um, West Virginia was an IMG school, but, you know, also, would you consider it one of the greatest uh, basketball games you've been a part of as a broadcaster? I think it's probably the greatest game I've been a part of as a broadcaster from a basketball perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, number one, how did I get it? It goes back to the conversation about about connections and, and developing those. And uh, Chris Ferris is the uh, head of broadcasting and audio at IMG. Uh, Nebraska, while I was there, was uh, was not an IMG property when I started, and then was uh, became a part of the IMG company. 
Uh, there were a lot of things about Nebraska with what we did on a daily basis that we did not interact with the corporate offices. Uh, so I met Chris. He came out on a site visit to Nebraska to see all of what we did and if we could be brought into the IMG corporate studios in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so I met Chris then and, and had a conversation with them and, and we talked a lot and stayed in touch. Uh, Chris was the person that brought me out to West Virginia. That's how I got out there. And that's how I think I got a more at that time, got more ingrained into the IMG uh, family, if you will. And uh, we basically started from scratch at West Virginia. It was also a very unique situation with uh, a late third tier rights transition. Um, a lot of things going on with a new radio network and a brand new broadcast. And um, it was a hectic time uh, in the summer of 2013. And Chris and I got to spend a lot of time together. And and uh, I was responsible for really helping get that radio network rolling and uh, off on the right foot. And so, um, what you know, Chris is a is a guy that that uh, is in charge of eighty plus properties uh, in college radio networks around the country, and a guy that rubs elbows with all the big names. And you know, Carter Blackburn is a mm -hmm. protege of his. Corey Provis, who's the play by play voice for the Twins, started out at IMG. And so, another another individual who you you, you know. Would, has been around all the big names, but you wouldn't know it because he's such a good person uh, as well. And he, he asked me, you know, every year IMG uh, produces and broadcasts the American tournament for the conference, and they've got a nice relationship with the league. And he asked me if I would want to come down, and I said, absolutely, would love to come down. So I uh, joined uh, Chris uh, and Adam Witten, who is another excellent play-by-play -play broadcaster, now the play-by-play -play guy at Appalachian State. Uh, for their football program. Uh, and it just, I'd say it just worked out. It, it, it was funny how it worked out, Kelly, where literally it was, okay, here's games one, two, three, four, through 10 or whatever. Adam, you're doing game one. Jeff, you're doing game two. Adam, three. Jeff, four. And when I found I was doing game four, I realized that it was going to be the UConn-Cincinnati game. So um, – Everyone knows that UConn and Cincinnati have two of the premier basketball programs in the country, and uh, it, it was going to be – I felt like that was the game for that tournament, um, at least at the start. You know, Depending on who won, who lost, who would play later in the weekend, that was the game that I think a lot of people nationally looked at as the best game of that weekend. And I was just lucky enough by pure chance, by the number system, that I got to call that game. Um, I remember I was going to the Amway Center arena, and I, for whatever weird reason, I thought I just I told myself something weird's going to happen today. Just make sure that you're ready for, for it. Um, and the game wasn't great in the first half. It was like a UConn Cincinnati game. It was almost like a football game. Physical. <laughs> nobody can make a shot. A lot of defensive uh, struggles, and you know points were at a premium. And then shots started to fall. The game got close. The game got tight uh, at the end. And it uh, it lent itself to what was the Jalen Adams uh, half-court heave at the buzzer to tie it up and send it to a fourth overtime. And uh, just lucky to be there. Uh, just happy that I was able to capture the moment, which was an amazing moment and uh, pretty special to be a part of a game like that. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine it. I, I remember watching that game and just how incredible it was to watch it as a, as a basketball fan. So, you know, on your, on your birthday this year, I, I believe it was your birthday, you got a special wake-up call um, at 7 a.m. from the, the North Dakota State pep band. Somebody tipped me off on this, I and, I, and so I saw the video. Um, and, and I believe your fiancé was in on the little trick, too. For people that haven't seen the video, you know, Share what share kind of the backstory of that and what happened. Well, my uh, my great Dane, we own a great Dane who is about a year and a half old. She now has post traumatic stress <laughs> from that from the the band in my living room waking us all up at six a.m. Uh, the backstory is um, I gave uh, kudos to a coworker earlier, uh, Chris Hansen. I'm taking that back now at this point in time. <laughs> He, he helps us on our football broadcasts and is a, is a, a, a host and an, and an analyst of sorts. 
um, he decided that it would be fun. And it was not my birthday, by the way. That was just the running joke oh, okay. amongst uh, the, the Gold Star marching band. So they <laughs> sang happy birthday to me. I'm like, it's not my birthday, guys. It's not my birthday. But they did it anyway. So he got the a portion of the Gold Star marching band to wake up and come to my home at 6 in the morning. It was homecoming week. It was a homecoming week prank. They they broadcast the entire thing. Uh, they captured it on radio. They captured it on video. And I had no idea. Uh, my fiance was in on it. She was a part of it. And so I believe 25 or 30 members of the marching band are in my living room at 6 a.m. And they just start playing the uh, the On Bison fight song. About to wake Jeff Colleen up real bad, real, real bad. Let's go up the stairs. It was the loudest thing, I'm telling you. It was the loudest thing, Kelly that you'd ever heard. It was unbelievably loud. I thought it was a car alarm at first. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And then I'm looking for an alarm clock to turn off. There's no alarm going off. And uh, needless to say, the joke was on me. The prank was definitely on me. So what What will be the, what are you gonna do to get your fiance back for being a part of that, I guess is the question. <laughs> Oh, the plan. There are some plans in the works right now. I can't divulge any secrets because then my cover would be blown. So there will be some payback at some point in time. I just have to uh, find the right place and right time to make sure that happens correctly. You know, I, I was thinking about it, too. It's actually really lucky that like you don't sleep with a gun right near you, too. I mean, that you didn't come out of your bedroom with like a gun because you were so startled or that, you know, you heard people in your house like the dog didn't go nuts because I mean, that could have been really bad. <laughs> The dog, the dog went nuts. She did. Luckily, she's not uh, an aggressive dog. She's more of a lover, not a fighter. But uh, yes, you're right. Uh, I, luckily, I didn't uh, run out there uh, <laughs> without uh, figuring out what was going on first. That was a, uh, a key part to the entire prank. Well, um, speaking of your fiance, her name is Sarah Kennedy. And what are you willing to, to share about her and, you know, what she's meant to your life and, you know, this journey that you, you've been on traversing the country? Yeah, she, um, she's been my partner in crime over the last three years. And uh, I met her in, in Morgantown, West Virginia. It was a Thursday night. Um, Morgantown does not have a lot of uh, places to go as for, uh, I'm a wine drinker, so I enjoy a nice glass of wine every once in a while. And uh, she happened to be working at a, uh, a, a very nice place um, that, that really was one of the main places in Morgantown that, that served very good wine. And so ironically enough, it was right across the street from our offices in Morgantown. So I figured I saw it every day and I, I got to go over there at some point. It looks like a very nice place. So I went there and it was a Thursday night. She was working. She waited on me and um, that's where our uh, our relationship began. And, um, you know, she's she's meant the world to me. I mean, she, um, you know, has has really helped me uh, in our in our in my path and and join me here in North Dakota and we're trying to winterize her as we speak <laughs> as uh, winter is on the way um, being a, a girl from uh, the south and uh, probably not understanding the wind and the level of snow that we're going to get and then have stick around for a four or five month period of time uh, so uh, trying to get her uh, uh, accustomed to that here this first winter that we have together in Fargo. But uh, couldn't do it without her. Uh, she has meant the world to me, and uh, we get married on July 15th in Wheeling, West Virginia. That's exciting. Congratulations. And lucky for her, it's it's actually been a fairly mild fall, and it's not winter, I guess, so far. But it's been – I was up in South Dakota twice for games this year for the Valley, and – I was stunned how warm it was for the, you know, for being October up there. 
It's been it's been good, Kelly, and probably lot for me that's been warm because if not, I would would certainly hear about it um, from from Sarah with it being our our first uh, first fall up here. But uh, no, it's been great. The weather's been phenomenal. Hopefully, hopefully the snow can hold off a little bit longer, but uh, we certainly know that it's on the way. Well, my husband and I would probably get along with you guys really well because we're we're big wine drinkers too. Um, we belong to, to several wine clubs. From we went to Napa Valley. Uh, we we kind of yep. had a tradition where we would go every summer for a period of years. So we belonged to a bunch of wine clubs in Napa that send us cases of wine, you know, every quarter. You so. bet. <laughs> you if bet. You uh, Napa, uh... If you haven't been to Napa, I highly recommend it. Uh, we we have actually we have been to Napa. I've been there three times myself. I've got family out in that area. Uh, it is it is truly one of the, the more beautiful places on earth. It, it really is, and uh, exactly what you're saying. And um, I, I hear you. It's 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 a lot of fun to say the least. You know, Jeff, I believe I saw that you went skydiving um, in California several years ago. What it, what inspired that? Um, and where does that that rank on your list of you know most adventurous things you've done? Yeah, that was back. Oh, shoot, probably five years ago now, four years ago now, a little over four years ago. Um, was going out to visit some family. And we had a, a day where, um, you know, we were able to uh, just travel around uh, the coast and um, an opportunity presented itself where uh, skydiving was uh, was an option that day. And I decided, I said, why not? Let's do it on vacation. Let's go for it. And, uh, sky was able to skydive over uh, Santa Cruz, along the beach, over the water, which I believe there's only one other place in the world that that does something like that. And, um, it was one heck of an experience. Uh, where would I rank it? You know, sometimes you forget that you did it because it was, you, you get uh, so busy and everything else that you're doing. Um, but as far as thrills are concerned, uh, it is, uh, right there at the top and probably a little bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but, uh, at least I can say I've done it one time. And you, and you live to tell about it too. <laughs> that's right right that's the best part that's the main part right there exactly a couple more questions for you um you were obviously on the call this year for the bison's uh fbs upset of iowa um and you had a really memorable call at the end uh, where you notably said horns up hawkeyes down fisher to snap davis will hold this is for the win over the iowa hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium. Good snap, spot, kick, on the way! The kick is up! It's good! And the Bison have done it again! North Dakota State has knocked off the Iowa Hawkeyes! The first loss ever by the Hawkeyes versus an FCS foe! The sixth straight win for the Bison over FBS teams! The final, 23! 21, horns up, Hawkeyes down. Was that something that just came to you in the moment um, of the of the broadcast and just, you know, the, the situation there at the end um, and the excitement? Or was it something you had thought about, okay, this is what I might say, you know, if, if they're able to pull an upset? So there's, there's a couple parts to it. Um, uh, so horns up is the social media hashtag for NDSU. Um, so I, I felt like incorporating that into um, my final calls would be would be kind of fun, you know, kind of attach to what uh, what NDSU has on the on the social media side, and you know, it's a slogan here at North Dakota State, and um, I actually had done it the first two games of the year, which were both very exciting overtime wins over Charleston Southern and Eastern Washington. So it's sort of it's sort of what I what it has been my go-to uh, post-game slogan call, whatever you want to call it when the Bison win. And, and fortunately there have been a lot of those victories here in my first season. But a little backstory on it. Um, I have a good friend in the broadcasting business. His name is Brian Haney. He is also in the first year as the new play-by-play -play voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. And so he and I have uh, our, our paths have 
mirrored each other in a lot of ways. He was the Texas Tech baseball and men's basketball play-by-play announcer while I was at West Virginia. Okay. And so the the slogan for um, Texas Tech is guns up. That's their slogan. So Brian would use the term guns up, opponent down um, for his his basketball and men's and, and baseball calls mm-hmm. after wins. And I have heard that many times and I thought, well, you know, that's kind of kind of catchy. It's kind of cool. And and so when I arrived in North Dakota State with the horns up side of it, I thought that might be something that that would translate over here as well. Um, so that's sort of where it, it kind of it came to fruition, how it sort of came to be. The entire call itself, when Cam Peterson made the field goal, I don't know if I could recreate it for you right now. I was kind of like Will Ferrell in old school <laughs> in the debate scene, where it just kind of, just it just went, you know, it just kind of came out. Um, I didn't script anything, you know. I remember that I, I woke up in Iowa City that morning. I was so excited for the game that I woke up at 4:15 in the morning for an oh, 11 a.m. Wow. kickoff. And I was just going over some stuff and writing some notes down, and and I always write out my scenes. And I was thinking, if North Dakota State wins this game, it, it will probably be in a dramatic fashion of some sort. It's not going to be a two-touchdown win. It's not going to be a 10-point win. Something big is going to happen. And I thought, should I, should I script something? Should I write something out? And that was what I was debating in the morning. And uh, I decided not to. I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I want it to be um, uh, spontaneous. Uh, I want it to be exciting, and I want it to, to capture the moment. And that was uh, that was the thought process behind uh, the entire final call of that win, which was such a momentous victory in NDSU athletics. Yeah, I mean, you've been a part of some really exciting big wins this year from that game to the the two overtime wins. Um, You know, what stands out most so far about this season? Um, You know, and do you think the Bison have a really, another really good shot of, of making it a possible sixth straight national title? You know, Kelly, I think the thing that stands out about this first year is the overall culture of the football program. Uh, It's truly amazing. And, you know, when you have, you know, you hear it all the time. When you have great teams, they've got great culture. When you have teams that are struggling and maybe they go through a coaching change, what's the term you always hear? The coach has to change the culture. They've got to change the mentality. And the culture here is just on a, a whole nother level. Uh, I can't compare it to the great programs at the FBS level. I don't know. I've never been there. I've never been to Alabama. I haven't been around Ohio State and and Michigan or Clemson right now with what Dabo's doing down there. But what I can speak to is the culture of this place and the football program is second to none. They've dealt with significant injuries this year to great players. Uh, Nick DeLuca is an All-American. Nate Tangway just got hurt. Unfortunately, he's done for the year. He's an All-American level type player. But they have this next man up mentality where they just they they move on, um, they feel awful for their teammates and for their friend, but they realize that there's something going on here that's bigger than one individual. And as a team together, they they feel like they can accomplish anything, and they have done that over the last five years. I mean, five straight national championships. It's unheard of at any level um, of college football. It's never been done before, and there, there's no doubt. I mean, right now it's a team that's uh, nine and one. They're six and one in the Valley. They've got one more left this week with South Dakota. And then you wait to see what your your fate is as far as the rankings are concerned from the CS playoff committee. The goal, of course, is to one of those top two teams. Feels like all of its goals are in front of it. And uh, a six straight national championship is something that's definitely being talked about. Last question for you, Jeff. Um, you know, you're you're a pretty young guy. You're 33. We're, we're about the same age. Um, are you where you envision being right now at 33 years old in, in this career? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody would say they want all their dreams and goals to happen right away. Um, 
you know, did I necessarily envision myself being in Fargo, North Dakota as the voice and the play-by-play man of NDSU? Uh, no, uh, I did not. I really didn't know where, where my career path was going to take me. Um, I just knew that uh, I wanted to have the opportunity to be the play-by-play guy at, uh, at a place like NDSU, at a place that cared, at a place that had fans that are as passionate as these and that love their program and love their teams and have an expectation out of the, the broadcast side of it that makes what we do, I think, feel important or feel like we're, we're providing something for people out there, that, that we're doing some good for folks that are locked into it and, and want to listen and enjoy it and, and love their team and, and like to listen to uh, a broadcast as well. So, you know, at, at age 33, I think I'm pretty lucky to be where I'm at. I really do. I definitely have worked hard for it. Uh, there's no question about that. I, I It hasn't come by, you know, just uh, uh, happenstance or on a whim. There's been a method, there's been a plan, there's been a lot of hard work and sacrifice, uh, and a lot of luck, too. There's certainly luck along the way, but um, I'm definitely uh, excited and uh, living out a dream that uh, is uh, as fun as anything I've ever done. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to share? Gosh, I think you, we've covered it. I think you've you've done great prep here. You've dug into my... my uh, my career path and we've talked about my fiance she'll be happy about that <laughs> so that'll be good and um no this has been fun this has been great i really appreciate you having me on yeah i'm glad uh, i'm glad we got to do it and i i kept you a, a lot longer than i said i was going to but uh it's it's definitely been worth it i wish you could see too because you're a dog lover i have a chocolate lab and she's uh been over here like trying to get on my lap here on the side you can't see it on the video but I think she's she's ready to go on a walk here in a little bit so um I appreciate it and uh look forward to I know uh I live here in in the Carbondale area so I, I didn't get to meet you officially yet this season because uh SIU and North Dakota State didn't play but uh, I look forward to in the future absolutely Kelly look forward to that and uh appreciate all that you do Thank you. Well, like what you heard from Jeff Colhane in our MVFC First and Gold podcast, check out the many other podcast offerings from Lineup Media Group, including one of their newest shows, Fairways and Greens, which features the Vegas golf coach. Head to lineupmedia.fm for more info or to subscribe. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.